if, like me, you're trying to lose some excess weight as we approach summer, you just might want to skip this calorie-laden trip to the France of 1997. Hello, I'm Brett Dillon, and this is The Movie Chronicles. With garlic sauce in hand, or is it Gaelic? An escargot fork at the ready, we begin our journey in Canada with Jean Sui, Head or Tails, Director and Script, Claude Fournier, Script, Marie-José Raymond, Director of Photography, Eric Kayla, Editor, Denis Papillon, Music, Dan Bigras, Actors, Roy Dupuy, Patrick Ouad, Charlotte Loria, Albert Miller, Norman Levesque, Guy Nadon, and Javier Dolan. This is a Canadian comedy that bases itself on French farce and uses as its blueprint La Cage au Folet, 1978, although it does reverse the situation. Hmm. The straight up problem is that being gay is supposed to be amusing, basically because it is a straight white male's concept of gayness. The wrongness of this conceit almost sings out to you. We open on the homoeroticism of Greco-Roman wrestling and then go into a shower scene. Dominique and Pierre are friends and business partners. The business is about to go down the drain unless they can scrape up some cash. Desperation leads Dominique to sell a chest of drawers to a gay antique dealer. They bond over lunch and the dealer hits on him. Dominique, needing a secondary job to keep his business afloat, pretends to be gay so he can work at the dealer's store. The rest, I have to admit, had me watching the scenery rather than follow the story, as the conceit of gayness I found too offensive to be funny. I wish the director and scriptwriter had actually talked to some gay people so they could find out how far out of whack from reality their work was. There are, I'll admit, some amusing moments. The running gag involving a statue with a penis, for instance, when the penis rips open a waterbed is an especially amusing moment. Dominique meeting his mother at a gay art gallery and learning his mother is overjoyed he is gay. Dominique and Pierre wrestling until Dominique realizes how gay this is. These sequences, however, cannot overcome the supreme campiness of the art gallery sequence where camp comes to camp. The meat of the piece are sequences of Dominique trying to prove to himself that he's straight or gay, context is everything, and failing like this film. The MacGuffin of the plot is resolved when Dominique buys an African artwork at an op shop and resells it for enough to cover his company's debts. How convenient, you think, as nothing else has been resolved. The overall theme is about tolerance, but this film is a really bad example of that theme as it plays to the expectations of the intolerant. I give this film a pass, but add a note in the margin, could have tried harder. Director Claude Fournier was born on July the 23rd, 1931, in Waterloo, Quebec, Canada. Claude began his career as a news cameraman for Radio Canada, 
1957, he joined the National Film Board of Canada as a writer-director, and then went to the U.S. to work with documentarians Richard Leacock and D.A. Pennybaker. In 1963, Claude returned to Canada and set up his company, Rose Films, in Montreal. He has been busy ever since. Actor Donald Sutherland described him as one of the truly wretched directors of the world. Scriptwriter Marie-José Raymond is the wife and collaborator of Claude Fournier. Composer Dan Bigras was born on December 23, 1957, in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Dan left home at the age of 16 to play rock music on the Canadian bar scene. He was discovered by singer Jerry Boulet in 1983 and released his first album in 1990. Jean Sui was his first film score. Actor Roy Dupuy was born on April 21, 1963. Roy graduated from the National Theatre School of Canada in Montreal in 1986. He made his first film in 1987, but became a francophone favourite with the TV series Les Filles de Caleb, 1990-92. Being bilingual has kept him in work. History went ooh-la-la la in 1997, so cover the children's ears, because on. May the 31st, the Confederate Bridge, at 13 kilometers, the longest bridge spanning ice-covered waters, was opened between Edward Island and New Brunswick in Canada. June the 1st. The Socialist Party led a coalition in the French legislative elections. December the 31st. 121 countries sent representatives to Ottawa, Ontario, Canada to sign a treaty prohibiting the manufacture and deployment of anti-personnel mines. 32 other countries refused to sign. They include the USA, China, and Russia because, heaven forbid, the weapons manufacturers lose this source of income. Personally, I think all the top staff in these industries should step on an active landmine to prove its effectiveness before the business can sell its product. We, the consumer, need to know they work. Let's get really French now and stroll the streets of Paris with a song in our hearts in On connaît la chanson, same old song. Director Alain René, act, uh, script and actor Agnès Jaoui, script and actor Jean-Pierre Bacri, director of photography Renato Berta and editor Hervé Deleuze. Music Bruno Fontaine, actors Pierre Aditi, Sabine Azima, André Dussolier, Lambert Wilson, and Jane Birkin. Elaine René's homage to the work of Dennis Potter is a curious French hybrid. Scraps of songs are used as dialogue to indicate a character's interior thoughts. The result is a considerable stretching of the plot to make the songs fit, and a disjointed feel caused by these snippets of song. 
this is a multiple character film without a central narrative. The characters are interconnected, but the narrative is random grabs of time between them all. We open on Adolf Hitler ordering the destruction of Paris and then breaking out into song in a female voice. A nice touch, if this were the only time it happens. But it ain't. The song lyric is more important than the performer or the character who is supposed to be saying the lines. In this sense, the movie is very gender fluid. This is the transition to a tour guide in modern France explaining what happened next. The guide is a part-timer making money to cover university fees. She is about to present a thesis on an obscure point of medieval history, and she is having panic attacks. A real estate agent is secretly in love with her, and his boss is trying to bed her. The boss has sold an apartment to the guide's sister, with a view soon to be obscured by a building project, and so on. The characters get dragged in. It all leads to a dinner party at the apartment, where various home truths are revealed and there is the puzzling visual cuts to jellyfish. I don't know what the intention of these inserts were, apart from being annoying. The intent of the film was to pay homage to Dennis Potter, but the visual style reminded me of Jacques Demy, as was the way the plot was handled. Director Alain René was born on June the 3rd, 1922, in Van, France, and he died in 2014. A sickly child, Alain was often home-educated. At the age of 10, he became fascinated with cinema, and when he was 12, his parents brought him a Kodak 8mm camera with which he began to make films. In 1936, Alain was introduced to the concepts of surrealism and the works of André Breton. He began to see the world in a completely different light. In 1939, Alain moved to Paris to become assistant to Georges Petoff at the Théâtre de Mathurin. From 1940 to 1942, he studied acting at the Col René-Simon and then was accepted into the newly formed IDHEC, Institut des Hautes Études Cinématographiques, to study film editing. At this school, he came under the influence of Jean Remelon. In 1945, Alain took time off to do his military service and returned to Paris in 1946 to find actor Gérard Philippe was a neighbour. With a 16mm camera, Alain began to direct. He made a series of documentary films, most notably Van Gogh, 1948, which he shot in 16mm. The producers were so impressed they requested he reshoot the entire film in 32mm. And his breakthrough film, Nuit et Brouillard, 1956, about the Nazi death camps. This was among the first films to deal with the issue, and Elaine got around possible censorship issues by making it an essay on historical memory. During this period of his career, René was notable for his willingness to collaborate with other artists, painters, musicians, and even fellow filmmakers. He edited Agnes Varda's first film, La Pontcourt, and co-directed a film with Chris Marker. Nuit et Brouillard was so successful 
The producers asked Alain to make a documentary about the nuclear bomb. He refused. In discussion with novelist Marguerite Dorin, he realized the problem was the impossibility of speaking about nuclear war. This gave him his theme for his first feature film, Hiroshima Mon Amour, 1959. This film ignored the conventions of plot and story development to reveal that one could only speak about the impossibility of speaking about the horror that was Hiroshima. The timing of the release of this film caused Alain to be associated with the French Nouvelle Vague movement. Alain was not happy with this association. He pointed out, Although I was not fully part of the new wave because of my age, there was some mutual sympathy and respect between myself and Rivet, Bazin, Demi, Truffaut, so I felt friendly with that team. His next film, L'année dernière à Marienbad, last year in Marienbad, 1961, was an even more explicit and complicated examination of memory. He probably summed this film up best with the remark, The present and the past coexist, but the past shouldn't be in flashback. Alain owned the largest private collection of comic books in France at this time, and in 1962 became vice president and co-founder of Le Club de Bande des Années, named two years later as Centre d'Etudes de Littérature d'Expression Graphique. Alain was politically active in the 60s and protested France's Algerian War, the Vietnam War, and fascism in Spain. This weakened by 1968, when he picked up the trail of science fiction found in La Nade Dernière à Marion Bard to create the time travel masterpiece J'étem, J'étem. In the next two decades, he produced very little work, although working on many cancelled projects in the USA. There was a triumphal return in 1980 with Mon Oncle l'Amérique. This displayed a new change of focus in his films. He was now more comfortable integrating elements of popular culture into his work, and he created a core group to collaborate with. He integrated pop music into his work. He turned to stage plays as a source of material, and he began to use the camera to insist on the theatricality of the work. Elaine had a special sense of humour that he applied to his work, remarking, I never had any special appetite for filmmaking, but you have to make a living, and it is miraculous to earn a living working in film. Scriptwriter Agnes Jouy was born on October the 19th, 1964, in Anthony, France. Agnes and family moved to Paris in 1972. She studied music at the Conservatoire in 1981, but as a singer didn't release her first album until 2006. Then, in 1984, she took drama classes at the Théâtre des Amandiers in Nantes. Director of the theatre, Patrice Chiarot, gave Agnes her first professional role in 1987. This is the same year she met Jean-Pierre Barry in another of the theatre's productions. They became friends, lovers, and artistic collaborators. In 1993, director Alain René commissioned an adaptation of Alan Ackbourne's stage play, Intimate Exchanges. 
This two-part film series proved popular enough that Elaine continued to work with Agnes. In 2000, Agnes directed her first feature film. Director of photography Renato Berta was born on March the 2nd, 1945, in Bellazona, Switzerland. Renato trained at the Sperimentale di Cinematografia in Rome, Italy. He made his first film as DOP in 1969 and has become well respected in the art. Editor Hervé Deleuze was born in 1949, somewhere in France. Hervé is closely associated with the films of Claude Berry since 1981, Roman Polanski since 1986, and Alain René. Actor Jane Birkin was born on December 14, 1946, in London, England. In 1969, Jane collaborated on the album Jane Birkin and Serge Gainsbourg. They included the song Je t'aime, moi non plus. This was banned on several radio stations for its simulated oral sex. That record had a lasting effect on her life. When Serge died, she recalled, When I came over to London after Serge's death in 1991, one of the journalists said, Made any more dirty records, Jane? Another one asked if I felt responsible for AIDS because of Je t'aime. On that note... I realized that I meant nothing to the English. Actor Sabine Azima couldn't find any details on her. Beyond, Sabine graduated from CNSAD, National Conservatory of Dramatic Arts of Paris. She was a close friend of photographer Robert Dusno and married to Michael Lenglini. Sabine lived with Alain René until his death in 2014. Death was like a toll on the living. On. April the 16th. Roland Topor, the French illustrator, born 1938. September the 25th. Jean-Francois, the French composer, born 1912. And finally, December the 1st, Stéphane Grappelli, the French violinist, born 1908. Next episode, we hunt for the monsters of 2017. Bring some bug spray. In the meantime, become a Patreon or Buzzsprout supporter and feel the call of Cthulhu to buy as many Movie Chronicles ebooks as you can. Cthulhu would never put you wrong. Until next time, if the monster isn't under your bed, then it must be in the closet. <laughs>